Welcome to Epignosis, the teaching ministry of Grace Morgan. May the light of God illuminate your heart and may the truth make you free as you listen. Whenever we hear the word mercy, it has a way of softening our hearts. Mercy is leniency. It means clemency. It means compassion towards the guilty. The thing about mercy is that for it to be considered genuinely in any situation, the person on which it is to be shown will first have to be guilty. You can show kindness to everyone, but mercy is for the guilty. In our African society, we use the word mercy much more. This is because of the level of injustice in our society. People tend to beg more here. In fact, sometimes it is abused by incessant offenders as a means of gaming the system and getting away with offenses repeatedly. In more developed societies where the rule of law holds sway, it's something that is rarely seen. People don't usually beg for mercy there because people tend to want to want the law of the land to take its course. Even when the begging happens, oftentimes the person being begged is powerless to respond to it because laws rule in those places, not individuals. I do know that in our cruel and unjust society, even the innocent pleads for mercy, knowing that justice may not be guaranteed. However, the truth is that mercy shown to a person who is innocent in the first place is mere drama because mercy is for the guilty. Now, God is said to be merciful. The Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 says, It is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. So God's mercy is ever fresh, eternal, and reliable. God takes no pleasure at all in the suffering of humanity. Whenever possible, clemency is shown to bring relief and palliate the situation. However, Let's not combine God's mercy with the law of causality. The law of cause and effect stands separate. It cannot be circumvented and is always in full operation. Genesis 8.22 says, While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. This law is declaring the law of causality and balance. It says that all natural laws put on earth maintain balance and will never stop. Even when there's a miracle which is defined as a temporary suspension of the natural order, all natural laws must resume forthwith and remain in perpetual effect for this earth to remain in existence. 
Most people may not understand this, but this planet is a direct offspring of natural laws. God created it by putting natural laws to work. In effect, God instituted the laws and put them in operation and the laws formed the planet and everything in it. Therefore, those laws cannot stop operating for this planet to exist and every other celestial body for that matter to continue to exist. Genesis chapter 1 stipulates that when creating in the beginning, God said, in saying, God put nature to work and that energy formed the creations. That's why words are so powerful on earth. Because the fabric with which things were made are from words. As much as we desire mercy when we are guilty, we must also understand that the already instituted laws in nature must always be in operation. Which means the fact that you are forgiven does not stop the consequences which can arise out of the actions you have committed. There are consequences for all actions. Now these consequences are not under the direct control of God but under the operation of the laws of nature through which all things were made. Every action triggers automatically a proportionate reaction. It's in physics. It's a law of action and reaction, which is the third law of Isaac Newton. It's a law that is always in effect, just like gravity. If a person decides to jump from a height that is too high, it won't matter if that person is good or bad. They will either be injured or die as a consequence. It won't matter if their sins are forgiven or not. The result will be the same, unless a miracle takes place. When you plant a seed, the laws instituted by God brings up a plant of a corresponding nature. All actions have natural corresponding reactions. This further applies to our thoughts. Many people don't realize that thoughts are also actions. People believe that the only way to perpetrate is physical, but we live in a world of multiple dimensions and every single one of those dimensions operate in these natural laws. So just as physical actions have consequences, thoughts also have consequences. Consider the fact that thoughts of fear can produce certain physiological reactions in your body. Some break out in cold sweat. Some have tummy rumbles. Some even have the sudden desire to go and use the bathroom because of the fear. All thoughts have reactions whether you feel them or not. Now Christ said in Matthew 5, 27 and 28, He said, You have heard it was said by the people of old that thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh at a woman to lust after her, had committed adultery already with her in his heart. Christ merely used this example to illustrate the reality of all thoughts. The fact that you didn't do it physically doesn't mean you haven't done it already. 
as long as you have thought of it. He said it to make the religious leaders realize and understand that all human beings are guilty and need salvation. These things are still not understood by a majority of people till date. Now by the way, the consequences of thoughts are much worse than the consequences of actions. This is because consequences are intradimensional, not interdimensional. Consequences do not cross over dimensions. So the consequences of your thoughts, which are in the thought realm, remain there, and the consequences of your actions remain in the physical dimension. The effect is that the things you are thinking are much worse than the things you are saying and doing. Because the things you are thinking will outlast the physical and you will continue to suffer those consequences even when you are dead. That's what we have come to know as hell. Hell is not a consequence of your actions, but a consequence of your thoughts. We will talk more on this issue in another topic. I feel pity for those who believe they are perfect because they have not done things. Perfection needs to transcend beyond the physical dimension to be true. And believe me, no single person is perfect or can be. Now that's the uniqueness that Christianity offers among all belief systems. It offers men perfection. However, the perfection in this case is conferred perfection. Romans 3.20-28 basically says that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. The perfection that we have in Christianity is in Christ. It is not in us. It is not based on what we have done, but it is based on what Christ has done. This is why we continue to encourage all men of all races to embrace this unique opportunity and this facility provided by the Almighty God. In conclusion of these thoughts, the reality is that God has taken care of the problem of sin through the incarnation and redemption program performed in the sacrifice of Christ. Sin has been taken away. This is also according to John the Baptist in the book of John chapter 1 verse 29. What we have left are actions and their consequences. The truth is that God has already forgiven you for everything you haven't even thought of committing on the basis of the substitutionary sacrifice of Christ. Prayers of forgiveness are actually rhetorical are merely self-serving at best. God will not judge sin anymore because he has already judged it in Christ. But nature will continue to bring consequences for your actions regardless. So beware of the things you are doing. Not because God is after you, but because your actions are after you. Another way of saying it is that God is not after you, but the consequences of your thoughts and actions are after you. Dismiss anyone who tells you God is coming to judge sin. It's a postulation that arises out of pure ignorance. 
Though the mercy of God can also at certain times miraculously make a way of escape, it's not wise to count on this facility always being available. Because it's strictly under the management of the Almighty, it therefore only happens whenever He wills. Now let me offer some personal advice at this time. The person who will usually enjoy this miraculous way of escape from consequences of their action is a person who admits to his guilt in the first place and is also fully ready to stand and take the consequences even unto death or to perform restitution. God likes people like that. A good example of a person like that is King David. He usually stood ready to atone for his sins rather than justify himself like King Saul. Do not desire to escape the consequences of your actions. It's not a righteous line of thought. The fact that you are ready to stand and atone for your actions takes the state of your heart. You can be sure that God's mercy will be available to you once you are that kind of person. Besides, God is not really interested in perfect people or a perfect person because he knows they do not exist. God is already perfect, so of what use is your own perfection to him? He prefers sincere people because our human perfection is only as good as filthy rags to God. Even if God decides to let you suffer, it's equally an act of love as a way of purging your soul and making you better. Pain is a teacher. And so sometimes God allows pain so that you can learn and change for your own good. Hebrews 12.8 says, But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. What God is saying is that if you are not chastised by God, then you are a bastard. So God allows you to go through things, not because he hates you, but because he wants that natural process to bring correction to your soul and make you better. Do not desire to escape the consequences of your actions, but face them. But if you are wise, you will stay away from negative actions so that you will not partake of the negative reactions. Thank you for listening and God bless you. Hope you were blessed by these teachings. For inquiry, support and contributions, kindly send us an email on epignosis721 at gmail.com You can also send us a message via WhatsApp on 234 We would love to hear from you. God bless you.